Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. But before we get started with today's program, you can learn more about us, our free events, how to donate, the podcast, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and part two of his introduction of the book of 1 Corinthians and how we're all graciously called into fellowship. Sometimes we think certain people will never be saved. There's no way that God could reach that individual. I got news for you. God can reach anybody, anytime, anywhere, any way he wants. We learned that from the book of Jonah. (laughs) Where can I go from your spirit, O Lord? You can't go anywhere. He rules the universe. Now, we are going to study a book that was swimming in what I would call a corrupt culture. Let me give you a little background on on, uh, the Corinthian culture. Paul was entering a city that was swimming in affluence and immorality. This was a beautiful and proud city rebuilt by Julius Caesar in 46 BC. It was at this point a Roman colony, even though very much Hellenized or Greek culture, it was a Roman colony intended to raise the banner of Rome and all that Rome stood for. It was geographically located in Greece, but culturally it was Roman. They were established to foster the majesty of Rome, the culture of Rome, its religion and its values. Some considered Corinth the most dazzling of modern Greek cities of the time. Many ancient uh, structures that have been seen today or built up, uh, dug up today. One ancient writer, though, described the nauseating behavior of the, the rich in the city and the misery of the poor at Corinth as a reason for not wanting to visit it. Corinth has been uh, described as maybe something like an ancient Las Vegas. Very beautiful, lots of glamour, lots of building, lots of lights, but lots of corruption. The main thing that drew a lot of people through this navy town was an isthmus that was there. It was located 45 to 50 miles west of Athens, and it had an isthmus, which was an ancient roller for ships. Instead of making the 250-mile journey, which was dangerous around the tip, Uh, there of southern Greece, what you could do is you could allow your small ship to pass on something like a conveyor belt, which was called an isthmus. And they had slaves of the time, and they would pull the vessel through. And you can look at pictures of this today, and it would save you that dangerous journey uh, around the tip. And what happened was uh, Corinth was a city that was sitting on an acropolis. Literally, it means a high city. And so if you allowed your ship to go over this uh, this conveyor belt in in the ancient time, you would pass right by the city of Corinth. And up on the top of the hill was the shining city with all these majestic buildings and all that was there. A great lighthouse. And Poseidon, the Roman god uh, Neptune, guided ships into the harbors. The place was filled with agora, markets, warehouses, wharves with goods from around the empire, spices from India, silk from China, Linen from Tarsus, marble from Turkey, Greece and North Africa, timber from Italy. It was a city swimming with activity. In fact, the population at this time was about 500,000 people that lived in this navy town. So you can imagine many, many people, uh, many things going on. And one of the things that would happen every two years was something called the Isthmian Games. 
second only to the Olympic Games. And people would show up here. There would be athletes. There would be slaves running around town. There would be all these professional seamen and so forth. And they would bet on the Isthmian Games. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul will use an image. He says, don't you know that all who run in a race, don't, all don't win the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Well, that's taken from the idea of the games. So Paul loved to use athletic metaphors in the race of the Christian life. And this is all the background of Corinth. It was a hotbed of activity. It had all these incredible attractions there and things to see. The Greeks had two sayings. They said, let him who sails around Malaya forget his home, that difficult journey, and let him who sails around Malaya first make his will. So it was much easier to go through this conveyor belt in the ancient world or this isthmus. And so immorality was rampant. One of the things I can tell you about the city of much that I could say of all these uh, things that they've discovered in ancient temples is the main prominent edifice on the Acropolis was the temple of Aphrodite. Her Roman name is Venus. She was the Greek goddess of love or the goddess of sex. They say some 1,000 priestesses who were her religious prostitutes lived and worked there. And as the sun would set in Corinth, they would go out from the temple of Venus or the temple of Aphrodite, and they would sell their wares to those who were in the city. It was a very immoral place. It was almost like an ancient Bourbon Street. If you've ever been to New Orleans and walked down Bourbon Street, it was that kind of feel. It got so bad in Corinth that to Corinthianize, in quotes, meant to practice harlotry. If you were considered a Corinthian girl, you were considered a prostitute. If you were known as a Corinthian, you were considered a party animal. One writer says Corinth was the vanity fair of the ancient world. Sexual immorality was rampant. Homosexuality was rampant. The city was known for this. And so Paul went into the city and, of course, he began to preach the gospel and he planted a church and he stayed there a year and a half teaching these people. They were used to seeing things of major wealth. Strabo attributes the city's wealth to the fortune of being the master of two harbors with the isthmus. The culture was highly materialistic and highly egocentric. It was hard for the church not to embrace the spirit of the age. Corinth also derived much of its wealth from its many pagan temples and shrines where homage was paid to foreign as well as civic deities like Isis, Serapis, Astarte, Artemis, Apollo, Hermes, Heracles, Athena, and Poseidon. It even had a famous temple dedicated to Asclepius, the so-called god of healing. People would go there. They would flock to this temple seeking healing of their physical infirmities, and they would move into this area of Corinth. All kinds of immorality going on, betting on the Isthmian games, people swarming in great numbers to this ancient Las Vegas. And there's where Paul plants a church. You might be thinking, Paul, what are you thinking? Why would you go there? Why not go to a place like Idaho? <laughs> Where the values are more conservative and it would seem that if you walked into a coffee shop, undoubtedly you would meet another Christian. But it was, it's in places like this that Paul saw a great need where people needed to hear about freedom and hope in Jesus, where they could be told that the, the false gods of the Greek and Roman pantheon cannot deliver, cannot save, and cannot give you freedom. 
Or you may have been educated in Greek and Roman philosophy, but in the end you will end up bankrupt and empty because they can't lead you to the light of the true and living God. What drove Paul is compassion. And that's what should drive our evangelism. Some people look intimidating to talk to, no doubt. They seem to be maybe on the opposite side of the shore and everything that we know and we believe. But at one point, wasn't that you? Wasn't that me? Wasn't that, you know, somebody took a risk to talk to you when you were without Christ and without hope in your world? Amen? And so as we move through Corona, and Corona is not like ancient Corinth, of course, but there are some parallels. We can think of California as having some parallels. The need is great. And a community of hope was established in Corinth, and they were supposed to be a light. Think about how it works. Paul was called and touched by the Lord. He called Paul to be a light to Corinth so that Corinth could be a light to their own community. This is the way it works. God commissions someone to share the gospel. We hear the gospel. We get changed. And then we're supposed to be a light to those who are around us. It doesn't just stop with us. It's not just about us getting saved and then coming into a church building a couple hours on a Sunday. It's about us preaching the hope and the transforming light of Christ. We are now at verse one. Wow. I thought I was going to get through nine verses. I don't know what's going to happen, but that's all right. Paul called, 1 Corinthians 1.1, as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Sosthenes, our brothers, our brother. The call came to Paul, then through Paul to the Corinthians. The word called there is an interesting word. It's kletos in Greek. It means to be invited and appointed. When God called you, he invited you to be in fellowship with him and he appointed you to something. In fact, When we get later in this book, we're going to find that each one of us has a spiritual gift to be part of the body, to contribute to the glory of the head. You were invited to come to Christ into a relationship, and then you were called to do something in that relationship, to actually use your gifts to bless the body and to reach out to others. Paul's an apostle. That gives him authority, literally a sent one, apostolos in Greek. He's an apostle of Jesus, not because he signed up for it, but because he was personally called by Jesus on the road to Damascus. It was a gracious calling. He calls himself in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, the least of the apostles. He said, I'm not even fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. We must always remember that when Paul writes a letter, he was an enemy of the cause of Christ and he became its greatest spokesman. So no matter where you've been, what you've done, you can move from being an enemy of God to being one of God's greatest spokesmen. And when you do that, you can bring light and love to others. You can bring hope to others. You can bring hope to your friends. You can bring hope to maybe groups of people that you used to run with in the same circles of doing the same things. Maybe it was drugs. Maybe it was alcohol. Maybe it was a certain type of lifestyle, whatever it may be. Maybe money was your God. And you can tell people that there's hope. I think Paul says he's an apostle at the outset to establish authority, that what he's about to say comes from the authoritative call that he received. And what we're about to hear When we read and study the Word of God is authoritative to us. This is the Bible. 
This is God's word, therefore it has authority over us. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. What we're about to hear when we read and study the Word of God is authoritative to us. This is the Bible. This is God's Word. Therefore, it has authority over us. If we come into the church on a Sunday morning listening with that in mind, that this book has authority over me because it's breathed out by God, we will be the better for it. We cannot just dodge things that we don't like and brush them aside. As much as I would like to do that personally at times, because there's certain things that I've heard over the years in the Word of God that cramp my lifestyle. Can I get a witness? Anybody else? Yeah, there's things that you just hear and you're like, wow, that's inconvenient (laughs) to what I've been doing for the last decade. And then you have to make a decision. You have to say, does this book have authority over me or am I going to take authority over it? Does God have authority over me when he says something? Do I say, even though that hurts and that's inconvenient, I'm going to amend and adjust my life to that because that's God's will for me. And God has authority over me, or am I going to say, no, I'm not going to do it? Well, this is the problem with Corinth. The people had come into the church, but they were still trying to live like the world. And I think Paul writes this letter trying to alert them that if you do that, if you embrace the spirit of the age, please hear what I'm about to say, you will lose your influence. How many unbelievers are looking at the church wondering what actually makes us different And what's the major stumbling block to them when we act just like them? They say, I thought you were a Christian. I knew that place was filled with a bunch of hypocrites. But when we shine as lights in the world, when we're consistent, not perfect, but consistent, people, I think, garner some hope from that, that maybe they can change too. To the church of God, verse 2, which is at Corinth, To those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, same word that was used of Paul's call is used of their call. The church of God, which is at Corinth. Every church that is legit is a church of God. It's not a man-made organization. The church is not a man-made organization. The church is the church of God. The one who establishes the church is God. And Jesus, who is God, is head over the church. When you come to this place on a Sunday morning or anywhere else where the Lord Jesus Christ is lifted up, where God's word is central, you will find a church that's legit and you will find a church that's been established by God. It's the church of God. That's what makes it important and powerful. 
The church is the pillar and support of the truth, 1 Timothy 3.15. At the center of the church is Jesus and the gospel, which we'll see in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. It's to everyone who has been, look, in every place, middle of the verse, saints by calling, who, with all who in every place call upon, that means to invoke the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. You are saints by calling. God calls, look at the graphic here. God calls to us, but then we must call to him. God gives us the message of the gospel. He calls typically through an individual, right? Through a preacher, through an evangelist. Maybe you picked up your Bible in a hotel room or something like that, and the word of God comes to you, and God calls through the gospel, And then the response that we have is to call upon the name of the Lord. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be what? They'll be saved. You must call. He calls you, and then you must invoke the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice it's the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he's Lord. He is master. He is sovereign. He's the one we call to, not any old God, not some God or goddess in the Greek pantheon will do. To call upon the name of the Lord, says one writer, is not to invoke some shadowy unknown deity, but to commit oneself in trust to the one whose nature and character have been disclosed as worthy of trust. You are God's church at Corona. God is the founder of the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I'll build my church. It's my church. I have to remember that. It's not my church. Sometimes I meet people and they'll talk to me in the community. Is that your church over there? One time a little girl in the church some years ago said, Pastor Michael, are you the king of this church? And I said, can you go get me a maple bar and bring me the remote control? I like you, little girl. (laughs) I said, no, I'm not the king of this church. Jesus is the king. She went, oh, okay. But I was tempted just for a moment to see what I could get with that title. King of the church. (laughs) That's a joke, by the way. The church, ecclesia in Greek, is the called out ones, called out of the world and called to Christ, called out of darkness to light, called out of the world system to Jesus, called out of the dominion of Satan to God. That's what's happened to me and I hope to you. I've been called out of the mess of my sin and called to the one who is my Savior and my Lord. Amen? He is good good to love someone like me when I was in my mess. It's with all who in every place call upon the name of the Lord. He's their Lord and ours. He's awesome. He's good. He sets us apart. He sanctifies us. Look at the word sanctified in verse 2. Sanctified in Christ Jesus. That's a word that means to be set apart. We are to be a holy community that have been set apart to serve God's purpose, not ours. To be sanctified, to become holy, is to be set apart for God's purpose, not yours. That's a tough one to overcome, whether you live in Corinth or Corona. 
because it's drilled into our souls, really from the time we're little in this world, that we got to get our purpose done. No, 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 no. To be set apart unto God means that you want to get His will done. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and this was part two of his introduction to the book of 1 Corinthians and how we're all graciously called into fellowship. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael again shortly, but I wanted to remind you that we archive our programs on walkintruth.com, so you can listen anytime in addition to this fantastic radio station. We also podcast the program, so you can search Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Now, here's Pastor Michael. I want to share a scripture with you. It's from Galatians 6, 6, and it says, The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Now, that could be a sweeping statement, share all good things. Hey, I'm not asking for uh, you to give me your condo for free or your vacation home or let me use your boat or any of that kind of stuff. Actually, what we're asking for is for you to partner with us in getting the word of God out to more people. You see, the radio expenses are for producing the program, for doing a lot of the other things we do, but primarily it's for radio time. And uh, we want to get on more radio stations because we believe that the Lord has his hand on this ministry and he wants to use us to equip God's people and to reach out to those who don't yet know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we're excited about the opportunities, but we do need your help. And when, you know, just a few people uh, commit to monthly giving and then a few more do, that begins to build. And we've already had some recent monthly commitments. And I want to say thank you to those of you who have decided to be a monthly partner. And I want to talk about some opportunities we have. So what's next for Walk in Truth? What are we looking at? What are we praying about? Well, The Vine and KSGN are a couple of stations we're we're praying about right now. 11 radio stations in Coachella, Hemet, Temecula, Beaumont, Fallbrook, San Francisco, Missouri, North Carolina, Ohio, and Idaho. We can get on 13 stations right now for $3,500, which really means we need 100 people to commit to $35 and we can get on all 13 stations. So for a $35 a month commitment, uh, we'll get on 13 different radio stations if a hundred of you say, I'll commit to Walk in Truth for $35 a month. Now, I want to let you know that as I sit behind a microphone in a studio right now, this is not my favorite topic. And here's why. Because I don't want to be perceived as begging for money or uh, putting a guilt trip on anybody. But I do want to say this. I just read Galatians 6, 6 to you. And if you're being blessed by this program, I want to encourage you not to think that someone else is going to do it. And see, when you give that $35 a month, you're helping us. You can imagine faces and people that you love. Maybe somebody stumbles on a radio station. You know, we just had a uh, a radio listener tell us that he was searching music stations, stumbled on a station, not stumbled, right? The Lord led him. Uh, began to hear the word of God preached, and that's when the Spirit, he, he puts it this way, began to awaken in him. I mean, what a blessing that is. What, what an incredible medium this is, radio. And, and we would love it if you would consider yourself a walk-in-truth partner. And you can find out more details if you go on the website at walkintruth.com. You can also reach out to us 
And uh, you can get the phone number on the website and let us know how you want to partner. Every little bit helps and it's a blessing. God bless you. Well, friends, I'd like to invite you out to our Wednesday night service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I have the privilege of serving as senior pastor. You know, we have this verse-by-verse style. We go through books of the Bible, and, and you know, I, I just have to chalk this up to God's leading, but he has led me to the book of Job, and we're about halfway through, and we've called the overall teaching The Problem of Evil and the Power of the Gospel. I was talking to a church member, and I, I took a break from teaching the book of Job and taught on Psalm 46, and I was like, hey, this group needs encouragement. And he was like, no, Pastor Michael, go back to the book of Job, because I'm living the book of Job right now. I'm amazed how many people I'm meeting who can so resonate with what Job's going through, whether they've gone through a loss or a struggle or inexplicable you know, world conditions or whatever it may be, watching the news for five minutes, you you get my drift. The book of Job is so relevant and it reveals something about suffering that we don't always think about. It's pointing to the greatest sufferer, if you will, the greater Job, Jesus, who would die for us, redemptive suffering. The story is going to end beautifully, but it's a tough book, but it's so real and it's what people need to hear. And we're delving in on Wednesday nights at Living Truth at 7 p.m. You can get information and directions, and we'd love for you to join us in the book of Job, The Problem of Evil, The Power of the Gospel. When you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store, look for that red logo with the pillars. You can find out information, directions, what's going on with children and youth on that same night. We'd love to have you here. Check it out today. When you tune in tomorrow, we'll be listening to the last part of his introduction of the book of 1 Corinthians and how we're all graciously called into fellowship. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.